welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm Brianna Teuber. And today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 19 of Supergirl, The Fanatical. And now here's David Schaub with the report from National City. I saw Kara in the office today, yet I'm still doing her job. Colville's acolytes build a world killer with a book, a translator, and a magic stone, but a hopeful speech and cooking the stone ends it. Guardian is at risk of having his identity revealed, but James knows that the city isn't ready for their superhero vigilante being a black man. Kara continues lying to Lena while wanting Lena to be friends with Supergirl. Really, she's just scared, in a warped secret identity friendship fallacy. Alex and John fail to help Ruby and Mirren cope with depression, but Ruby and Mirren find some joy in foosball. Monel and Kara go off to space to find a new magic stone to save Sam, and Coville's back. So there was a lot that I really liked in this episode, starting with the arguments. And of course, I don't like all the arguments that some people made, but, uh, you know, I liked that things were expressed that kind of needed to be expressed. Yeah, it was a good episode. There's a little bit of super science in the beginning about how they're going to rewrite Rain's DNA and Kryptonians are kind of like plants. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't too obtrusive and it didn't really matter to the plot. So. Yeah, and it, it sounds like something that's like actually plausible. Plausible enough, anyway. <laughs> the science is something that like actually exists, I believe. <laughs> So we started off, uh, I mean, Rain is definitely personally mad at Lena now, not just wanting to be a world killer, but she really doesn't like being cooped up. Twice. Um, and so she threatened to kill, right, <laughs> right. So she's threatened to kill Lena and then destroy the world. So I think that's interesting. So while, while Rain was lanting, was while Rain was ranting, uh, Lena <laughs> closed some kind of force field that uh, did some kind of refraction thing so that Rain can't see it through it, and uh, Supergirl can't see through it either. And, of course, she was mad about that, too. Yeah, and I'm like, that, that was really clever. And she's like, you told me if you made a weapon. And I'm like, Kara, first off, that's not a weapon. Second off, it's really smart what she did, and be glad she did that. And third, right. it's not all about you. Right. I don't think about you all the time, says Lena. <laughs> like, when I'm doing this stuff, I don't think about you. I just, I'm doing my job and trying to save the world. Right. Remember, like, your job? Right. And then Kara went to James, all, all angry that he had told Lena about the break-in. And now, now Lena has a problem with Supergirl. Surprise, surprise. And she says to James... You should have had my back, which is just, oh man, it really is all about her all the time. <laughs> yeah, and I have a question. Where did she get that sweater? Because I saw that and was like, that kind of looks like something, that, that looks like what you would wear to like a tacky sweater party. Hmm. I mean, it wasn't awful, but it's still very interesting sweater. <laughs> so then Lena, I mean, sorry, Supergirl trots out the argument that if Lena knew my secret identity, people might use it against her. And of Lena, of all people, she would want to know something and take the risks rather than be, quote, protected, unquote, by ignorance. Oh, yeah, no, 
she's feisty. She can take care of herself. Absolutely. She's the only one who actually came up with a way to stop rain. Yeah, it's it's really insulting on many levels. Also, can we stop with the trope of, I can't tell you, I have to protect you. Right. Well, we saw last episode how bad an idea that was when, you know, um, Ruby didn't know about her mom. And so first chance she got, she tried to call her mom. And yeah, the, there's the whole... also because Alex is like, I'll never lie to you again. But then at one point, she mentioned something about working for the FBI. And I'm like, wait, seriously? Right. All this crap is going on, and you haven't told her about the DEO? She literally, yeah. literally like, she was totally cool with Rune being a Martian. That was that was actually really cute. I loved that, mm-hmm. how they bonded. But like, yes. I feel like she would be comforted knowing about the DEO and knowing that there's, like, maybe other people she could reach out to if something happens. But no. Let's keep tell- hiding this from the child. Yeah. Because that worked out so well the first time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Alex may think of it as a little, little lie that's not going to hurt anybody or as just part of her cover identity or something. But Ruby's not going to read it that way. You know, when she finds out, she's going to see it as another lie, which, you know, it is. Kids are tougher than people give them credit for. They can handle it. Right. Yeah. Um, I did enjoy all the flailing that Alex did earlier in the episode. She's trying to cheer Ale- she's trying to cheer Ruby up and she says, I I bought a bike from nineteen sixty two. Let's go look at it. And Ruby doesn't even want to go outside and look and uh, you know, she offers to buy her a pet, a cat, uh uh, to play Scrabble or just to talk, and Ruby quite naturally says, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, she's having a hard time, and you did spend a lot of time lying to her. And remember, she's 12. Yes, she can handle it, but it might take her some time. Right. And I don't think a cat's going to fix it. <laughs> oh, I, I think we skipped over the part where... I wrote down her name. I'm blanking on the one girl's uh, name. Tanya, I think. Tanya. Yes. Yeah. Where where she shows up and then just, she's like, I need you to get this to Supergirl. And then she just sits down and completely opens up to Kara, even though she has no idea who this girl is, if she knows yeah. anything about anything. I'm like, that seems a little odd. Mm-hmm. I didn't like some, some of those forced, feeling forced emotions um that felt a little fake to me and also at the end if it had been supergirl it would have made more sense yeah more sense than just this random girl she just met in an office that you know james was talking with and she knew james knows supergirl and so you know supergirl starts to waltz off with the journal with uh koval's journal and uh, and Tanya is like, wait, what? <laughs> and they say, oh, it's cool. She knows Supergirl, too. Uh, <laughs> Supergirl. <laughs> Who is this random blonde girl? <laughs> that looks somewhat familiar. And how did she know Supergirl? <laughs> and I'll, I think I, in my notes I have Kryptonian Superbomb. <laughs> really? Yeah, it turns out that that is not actually what they are doing. They are... Building. For, for some reason, this magical recipe exists of how to create a world killer. Right. And, like, 
You mean, do you have a recipe for that? Like my grandmother's a recipe for banana bread? <laughs> yeah, and just ordinary humans can do it by going through some ritual. Um, yeah, not also, convincing, but... know what the ingredients were and how did they find them and how did that work and why did it kill some people and not Olivia and just what? <laughs> yes. And why didn't Rain try that? <laughs> Maybe just because Rain is all into herself as the world killer, and she's not thinking about creating allies. Maybe she thinks she has enough on her own now, after having absorbed at least some of the powers of her, her sister world killers who died. I'm just kind of impressed that Tanya was able to translate that notebook and translate the Kryptonian language correctly. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. It also makes me wonder why she didn't just lie in some of her translations so that the the ritual would be a dud. Yeah. I and mean, then she could have been like, you're not worthy. <laughs> Even that's if right. that or when everyone's staring at Olivia, just use the book, knock out the guys next to her and run for it. <laughs> and, and I have another question. Is how did James put that special little, like, suit locker thing and cat special elevator without anyone noticing? Um, I guess, you know, when they did the repairs on the elevator shaft after it blew out through the top of the building last season, um, he must have had a secret compartment added at the same time. And how'd the fanatics get a great, in, in the chase after he has his suit on, they're like, oh, well, bullets didn't work. How about this grenade launcher? Where did they get that? <laughs> Right, so just to back up a second, the Coville cultists invaded Catco, grabbed Tanya, and uh, Guardian rode after them on the bike. So he came, he came after them, they went into a factory, and he went after them. And the blonde, who it turns out is Olivia, who we saw episodes ago in, in, the, in the first cult episode where... Um, she explained that Supergirl had saved her and all of that. Anyway, the blonde Olivia uh, shoots his helmet off, and then a bunch of cops come in, and they immediately aim their guns at James, and Tanya is saying, No, racism. no, it's not him! <laughs> you know, he's he was trying to save me, and the cops just tell him, Get down on the ground! And the cultists run away. And that was certainly an example of talking about real-world racism in this fantasy show that I think is very valuable. Um, and uh, it certainly hit me in the feelings um, when I saw what was going on. Yeah, it was. And then later when James told his story, I kind of wanted to throttle someone. Right. Later in the episode, James is talking to Supergirl about... Uh, wasn't he talking Lena? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely right. Not Supergirl. After after the rescue, um, a text is sent to James telling him, "Give back Tanya and the book, or we'll reveal your super uh, your secret identity to National City and, of course, the world." Um, and so he's talking to Lena about. He says he makes the plan that he's going to get out ahead of this and do a press conference and announce it himself instead of waiting for them to unmask him. And later he's talking to Lena about how when he was, he the first time he says he was arrested, implying that there have been other times too, 
He was just seven years old. He was on a vacation, uh, and he was playing hide-and-seek, and the cops came and arrested him. Because, you know, what would a seven-year-old boy be doing running around a nice hotel? Like, he included the detail about he was so small that they had to, like, put it around his forearm? Yeah. Yeah. That's humiliating. Also extremely uncomfortable, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I thought he was just fantastic in that scene. The actor was. Yeah, and he was and he was he was crying. They weren't afraid to show someone crying on TV, which I I like that. Mhm. Right. I mean, not big heaving sobs, but certainly tearing up and wiping the tears away just trying to get through his story. Um and he wasn't really telling it for to get comfort from Lena. Um I thought uh Lena was also fantastic, mostly just listening, saying a few things, but mostly just listening and letting him tell his story. They're both amazing people for different reasons. Like, now that he's... There have been times, like, when the Guardian thing first came up, where I was a little frustrated with James. Mm -hmm. But he he really is a genuinely good person, and when he was explaining his reasoning and how, um, basically, like, he wants to give kids, like, he was someone to look up to and think, like, well, if he can do that, why can't I? Right. So he's great, and he deserves better. He does. And all of that makes me feel a little more kindly about his wanting to be guardian in the first place um you know when it when when that started it seemed to be just a case of him being bored with his job as as a manager of the largest media empire in the world (laughs) um and uh, a lot of us were frustrated with him for that and for the show with the show for that but this you know wanting to be a role model uh, that's a motivation that I can get behind. Yeah, it makes the whole thing make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But, like, to be fair towards our slight frustration is he didn't really explain that. He was just, I gotta do this. I wanna do this. I can't do much in this job. Even though, dude, you're a black man running the largest <laughs> media company in the world. Like, cat. You took a, you're taking filling in the shoes of Cat Grant. Right. <laughs> you could do so much good there. You could be a voice. I kind of want to see him do that too. Yes, me too. But this is a superhero show, and so we're probably not going to focus much on the media empire except, you know, in little pieces like we've been getting lately. Also, I want to point out another thing is with the ransom situation thing really matter considering didn't a group of cops see him yeah are are we saying that they didn't realize he was guardian even though he was kind of wearing the guardian suit and did the spoke bomb thing i mean you'd think that they would recognize the manager of catco but maybe not he hasn't been as active as cat grant was of course anyway so assuming they didn't capture him on video and they don't happen to see a profile of him in you know catco magazine or whatever (laughs) and you know it's sadly maybe to those cops who were so ready to uh suspect him and only him maybe all black men look alike and so they can't do pictures of him for the police also plus if they try and like say something he could be like 
Dude, this is... Y'all are just saying that because I'm black. <laughs> you want to take down a powerful black man. Could be. Anyway. Yeah. The, so... I, I don't think that's going to be a problem in this show. No, I don't think it'll come back up again. Um, but I do like the idea that even though they managed to solve the problem so that he did not have to come out today, uh, come out in this episode, he still wants to do it eventually and at a time and place of his choosing so that he can show people that a black person can be a hero. Yeah, I I love that because representation. Yeah, I just really, really loved all that aspect of this show and how it was handled. They also, um, in the scene at the arcade, they addressed a bit of PTSD. Yeah. That's what I think happened with Marin. Mm -hmm. It's like, he'd never been to one before, so it's all really unfamiliar, and there's a lot of shooting sounds. Right, right. So So, he panicked. Yeah, Alex and Jean had taken Ruby and Marin to an arcade to try to cheer them up because uh, Jean or, or Alex had read something about how, you know, Engaging in games helps slow uh, mental deterioration in some... I think Jean read that because Alex was reading all the... Oh, right. How to help children deal with <laughs> grief, even though there's not right. a... How to tell, help children deal with the fact that your mom's a world killer that tried to murder you. <laughs> right. But anyway, they're trying to help each other with their problems. And I, I like that. I like how, uh, you know, it brought them together and... Like you said, I I just really liked the scene of Ruby engaging with Marin and asking him what it's like to be a Martian and how did you survive? And Marin got to got to think about things and tell her without it being traumatic for him. Uh, the arcade yeah. experience itself was traumatic because of all the, you know, bang bang laser noises and stuff. But, um, but then they played foosball and yes. I just... I want to see like more interactions of them helping each other because that'd be so cute. Yes, uh, because you know, Marin obviously was a good father, and uh, Jean is all grown up now. And even though Marin still occasionally says fatherly things to Jean, it's not the same. But getting to engage with a little girl like that, you know, has to be a little spot of sunshine in in his dealing with his his uh, downturn. Yeah, and I think after that is when we had the um, Tanya fake giving herself up so they could find him, and then Mike just pops into the car. My first thought was like, I haven't seen Mike in forever. (laughs) And it was so funny. I liked that too. (laughs) He was wearing his geeky glasses, and I I said, Mike! I've missed Monel's super um, secret identity. <laughs> yeah, and he was just like such a nerd and he's just like, um, excuse me, kidnapping is illegal. <laughs> and when and then Tanya's like, I'm not afraid of you and his and he just says, I'm very scared. <laughs> and then when he gets there, the guy turns around and poof, he's in his suit. I don't know, do we want to talk about how that could be possible or do we just not want to get into that oh let's just not get into that (laughs) and then he used a special um thing to get Kara's attention and i put the i put it in my notes instead of a dog whistle it's a super whistle (laughs) right he like i don't know does something to the crystal so that it'll send out a secret signal that only kryptonians can hear 
I am now picturing Superman being like, what is going on? (laughs) Right. So anyway, after the whole, you know, DEO and everybody shows up, Supergirl tries to get the special world killer rock, (laughs) whatever it is, out of Olivia's hand. Um, And she touches the rock and her eye beams kind of go nuts and she's shooting eye beams all around the place. Um, It's like an allergic reaction. Yeah, something like that. Can I comment that before that, when Monel was being attacked by, like, six people, he looked so bored. <laughs> He's just like, okay, come on, this isn't even difficult. All I have to do is stand here. Right, so in another of the unconvincing Supergirl moments, um, or the other unconvincing moment was Kara when Tanya opened up to her, but here, Supergirl basically just tells Olivia, I know what it's like not to know what your life is supposed to be and to be uncertain about things. To not know which role you're supposed to play. Yeah. And that, you know, turns out to be enough to make Olivia give up her evil plan. And they just didn't sell it for me. I I didn't feel like that was would have been enough to get this cultist who was willing to kill people and, and do the world world killer thing. It just didn't feel like it, it enough to me. It kind of makes sense that that approach in and of itself worked because, as they said, she was lost. I don't know how she became unlost, but like she was looking for something to grasp onto, and she found that she's like, "This is it. This is it." Like she's desperately trying to find something to cling to to tell her what she should do with her life. Because I think. What happens a lot with that sort of cult is they're all, they all feel like now that they've been saved by Supergirl, they have to make their lives mean something. And it's almost like they feel like they're just living life is not enough, which is kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but having found that purpose, Olivia was clinging really hard to it, and Supergirl didn't really given her any alternative to cling to it was just she said you know you don't have to cling you can just wander around lost like most of us <laughs> and i just didn't feel like that was a convincing argument for olivia who was already set on this there's thing. something better for you out there just go out and find yeah, it yeah i mean you don't have to destroy the earth i mean yes that is all true <laughs> I mean, for a sane person who wasn't already set on a world-killing conquest, that would be a good argument. Um, but for someone who was already committed, you know, Olivia, yeah, I just didn't feel it. But, oh well, it was, you know, they had to fit the plot into the episode, and so <laughs> that turned out to be enough of an so, argument. I, I just thought of something, because afterwards we find out that that special stone used to develop its power for Livia's transformation. They didn't exactly reverse it, so does she still have her powers? Hmm. Well? Because they, they took the stone away, but I feel like she had already been transformed. Yeah? Maybe she had to stay connected to it to keep the transformation going? I I don't know. <laughs> it's It's kind of like the conundrum that Ruby brings up in her conversation with Alex about, like, 
what if what happens to happen to my mom happens to me and just I'm still wondering what are the implications of a world killer having a kid? Is Ruby going to get some kind of powers? I'm curious about that. Um that'd be great, although I could deal without her doing the alter ego. Yeah. Well, maybe because of the mixing of the genes and maybe she won't have the evil destiny that Rain did. Maybe she can be a force for good if she grows up and turns out to have powers after all. I would like her to become a superhero. That would that'd be great cuz she's Ruby's precious. Yes. Yeah, I like the actress. Um I like the character. And the cute moment where they um dye the ends of her hair blue. Right. Yes. Alex. And that's yeah, that's what Alex makes the quip about. Well, if the FBI doesn't ever doesn't work out, I could always be a hairdresser. <laughs> and I'm saying here, Alex, you don't work for the FBI. <laughs> that's right. She does not. So they decide that when the rock was drained, they of its powers, um, the DEO somehow recorded the radiation signal before that happened, and so uh, they want to. They find an asteroid or something five light years away where they can get more of this rock. Um, remind me why they want this rock? Um, because they could use... Remember the super science stuff in the first part where they have to attach the stuff to like a heavy metal and deliver it to override the DNA? Oh, right. That's what they want it for, to try to cure... They need that space rock so they right. can quit taking rain right. off. Okay, okay. There's also the fact that Rain having pestilence is making her no longer immune to kryptonite, <laughs> which is just fantastic, because it's the only thing that kind of Yeah, it's, it's a little hard for me to remember the super science stuff, because it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so they want the rock, and um, they have decide that Supergirl and Monel are going to take Jean's car spaceship convertible to go after that rock literally convertible yes and so sean sees straight through monel about the fact (laughs) that he still has the thing for card he's like dude don't tell her you'd be just that that would be selfish so once again this is the second time this episode we've heard don't tell them you have to keep it from you have to keep it to yourself to protect them and i hate that so much i Next episode's just going to be a really awkward space date. Right. Where they go get a rock. <laughs> right. I, I I do not love the telling them would be selfish. You you would be telling them to make yourself feel better. But don't they deserve to know, I don't know, the truth? Yes. I would think so. Yes. I mean, what sense does it make for Monel to stay behind on Earth and try to work out his feelings if he's not going to talk about them with the person that he is feeling the feelings about. Also, he there are so many things with the plot line that bother me, and I'm just like, okay, so at the beginning of the season, I would have been happy if they got back to, like, it, when he first uh-huh. got back before he found out about Emma, I was like, yes, my ship will <laughs> sail. And now I'm like, I swear, if they do what I think, if they do what I feel like they're going to do, I'm not going to be super happy with this. Yeah. Because he has a wife. Mm-hmm. I don't re- know really how they can resolve that in a way that's going to make me happy. 
I have a bad feeling either he's gonna die or- Him dying would be kind of repetitious. Even though he didn't really die, we thought he was dead. And so for him to really die just would feel like retreading territory. And then Supergirl- It's either that or it's just gonna be like really, really awkward- until either he accidentally goes through a portal to somewhere else, or he finally just goes back home to his wife. Yeah. And, you know, he has a job in the future. I wouldn't mind if next season Supergirl doesn't have any romantic stuff at all. Uh, you know, no no flirtations like in the first season, or, you know, you know budding romances that just- get choked off. And the third, where they're endlessly <laughs> going through missing you and uh, mixed feelings and stuff. I think next season, you know, I don't mind if the other characters have romances, but I, I would like Supergirl to just not have to. Can she just, like, have a guy friend? Like, <laughs> her friendship with Barry. Right. I love that. And she has a really good friendship with Wynn and James. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. But maybe she could, like, Go on friend dates or something. <laughs> Does it always have to be like, oh, I'm in love with you, and then just, nope. <laughs> Talking about friendship, though, I enjoyed the scenes where Supergirl was trying to make up with Lena, and Lena was not having it. <laughs> I think, because, like, Kara's only ever, like, not Kara, Supergirl's only ever talked to Lena when things are going bad. Right. I did like. That Supergirl admitted to Lena that she had made a huge mistake and she was sorry. Yes. Lena very fairly said, it's easy to admit you've been wrong when you've already been exposed as being wrong. <laughs> oh. Yeah, if it, that apology would have meant more if she hadn't already been called out on right, it. Right, right. And Supergirl says, I don't want one mistake to get in the way of our friendship. And Lena says, it won't. We don't have a friendship. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah. Super. This this kind of miss it makes me miss like back in the days when they were first. Because like at at the very first, I feel like when car when like Supergirl and Lena first met, they did hit it off very well, and and Supergirl is very much like I believe in her. I believe in her, mm-hmm. and that's just all gone down the toilet. Mm-hmm. Never mind how many times has she helped save the world? Yep. Lena deserves better. She does. You know, Lena Lena says, why is it so important to you for us to be friends? I have friends. Friends that don't lie and scheme behind my back. Um, You know, and she's right. Yeah. (laughs) Lena has some really good, solid friendships. So, yeah, I mean. She's either going to, because this is one of the things where, Eventually, somehow, the truth will find a way to come out. You know, I'll I'll be disappointed if it's just that Lena gets in danger and Supergirl saves her and then Lena can be (laughs) friends. That would be extremely annoying to me. Um, We almost had that, but I would kind of find it entertaining if if, there's the reveal and Lena's like, I knew. I figured it out a long time ago. I would. I just wanted to see how long it would take you to tell me. <laughs> I would really like that. That you know, um, uh, David, of course, also holds to that theory. Um, and looking at the interactions that they've had, I doubt that that's gonna happen. Yeah, I. I'm not sure. 
I, I could see it going either way, but we would miss a lot of drama if it turned out that she knew all along. If she hasn't known about Supergirl being Kara, we're going to get some fantastic scenes of betrayal uh, emoting from, from Lena, um, and I would be a little sorry to miss that. But the super snide Lena of well, I knew then- all along, that would be pretty entertaining too. Well, I was about to say, if if it's like a tragic friend breakup, then Lena's not going to have any friends left. Oh, that's true, because people will have to take sides. Alex will be on Kara's side. She she would probably try to be a peacemaker, but, you know, if it came down to it and she had to pick one. We honestly have no idea what's going to happen with Sam Mm -hmm. and with James. Like, Lena's going to know that he knew. Yeah, she may forgive him because it wasn't his secret to tell, but he could have been saying, you know, he could have, well, they both know that each other has secrets that they're not telling each other. So maybe she can forgive James, but forgiving Kara would be a much harder road. Can, can they just wait until everyone's on better terms? I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's going to happen this season. Also, the uh, thing I've been noticing is this entire season's been just a massive identity crisis mm. that Kara's still going through. Right, uh, because she at the beginning of the season, certainly she was trying to be like, you know, I'm, I'm Kryptonian, I don't need all these human feelings, I'll be stronger if I can just put all that aside. And she has certainly moved away from that in the latter part of the season again. She's now torn between her identities, not mm. like as human or Kryptonian, but as Kara and Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And, well, I don't know if there was the intro sequence but this, this episode, but the intro sequence still has her addressing herself as... Um, with her Kryptonian name. I ha- we haven't gone back yet to the intro sequence where she introduces herself as Cara Danvers. Mm. Now, I don't know if that's significant or, get, significant at all, or if I'm just grasping at straws. <laughs> but I, I find it interesting because that also did happen. That's just been this season. The, they've had that intro sequence. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm... Interested to see if, are we going to switch back or are we going to switch to something else? Right. Um, Well, I guess we shouldn't leave out the final scene of the episode. There's the uh, abandoned factory or whatever it was where the cultists were trying to create the new world killer. There's a guy coming through the rubble and the cop shows up and says, Hey, you're not supposed to be there. And then instantly flips to... Hey, buddy, you okay? And of course, given what happened early in, earlier in the episode, I was thinking white privilege. And then we see the guy's face, and uh, hey, it was it's jo- James, or whatever. It's Coville. Coville is alive. Uh, I wrote down, Mr. Preacher Man is back again. <laughs> Woohoo. Right. Actually, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with this character, because he's always had more a dynamic to him than Rain. Mm-hmm. Although Rain is starting to get a bit of a personality. Sort of. She's starting to actually want to desire to kill people because she's really irritated with them, <laughs> not just because it's her job. Right. <laughs> but I 
we almost had like perfect, you know, Book of Revelations imagery. We almost had the quote four horsemen of the apocalypse. Oh, right. And we have like the we have Rain who's kind of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. So sort of. <laughs> if if you do it more and more of a Christ figure kind of way, like she Kara wants to like protect and save the people. Right. Well they've definitely and she represents had... good things and Rain is the opposite, and then we have the prophet. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Who they they can do a lot of interesting things. I'm curious to see what they do now that he's back. So any other thoughts about the episode? I'm still giggling over the super whistle. <laughs> right. So as as I've said, as we've both said, you know, there were some just really knock it out of the park scenes between James and, and Lena. Uh, but especially James this episode. This was just a great episode for James, and I'm glad glad he got to do that. I love how, like, those two, it started out as just kind of a random thing, and now we're like, yes, yes, we <laughs> Oh, approve. I totally ship it. <laughs> if anyone breaks this ship, I'm breaking them. <laughs> and, and so we're, we're getting towards the end of the season. We have a couple of episodes left. I'm just curious as to why no one outside of the city has bothered to see if they could do anything about what's going on. Because it threatens yes. the entire world. Mm-hmm. So that also makes me wonder, how long until Cat Grant shows up? Hmm. It would certainly be pleasant to see her again. Yes, and I think Kara slash Supergirl could use a good talking to. Yeah. Yeah, Cat would really be a good one to give that talking to, to, to Kara. They, they, they would go into a room to talk, and it's like, we haven't seen them in three hours. Should we go in there? Crash. <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> right. Well, obviously, in the next few episodes, Rain is going to escape from confinement again. And then they're going to have to, they're going to almost have the cure ready. She's going to get out. Then they're going to have to turn that cure thingy into s- some sort of weapon so they can shoot her with it at just the right moment. Right. Right. And then she'll be dead, and then Alex will adopt Ruby. Yes. <laughs> She's already adopted Ruby. What, are you, what do you mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, so uh, we will certainly await developments eagerly. Um, yep. And we'll be back to talk about them. Uh, in the meantime, I would like to thank our listeners... If you want to continue the conversation with us, please uh, follow us uh, on Twitter at SG Supercast, or uh, join the Facebook group for The Incomparable, or uh, the members channel on Slack. And uh, I'd like to thank our wonderful audio editor, Seth Heasley, who makes us sound better than we are. <laughs> so thanks, Brianna. Good conversation, I thought. It's Good to be here. I think this is the most conversation I've had this week. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. And I guess that's it for this time. Talk to you next time. Bye.